people like to come work for me because I really truly believe in work-life balance, like a hundred percent. I'd rather it not be done. Like if it's your job, I'd rather you not do it. Like tomorrow's another day so that you can really like leave. All my whole team, even when we were in-house, literally leaves work every day at 5.30. When Crystal Etienne launched Ruby Love, she was looking to solve a personal challenge by designing leak-free period protection. Fast forward to today, Crystal has disrupted the femtech space with her innovative underwear and swimwear products and joins us to share her story. You're about to hear how she built her business from the ground up through an innovative social media strategy, fundraising, and staying true to her mission. Coming up, you'll hear Crystal's aha moment and when she realized she can make a difference with her product, the importance of SEO in her early days of marketing the company, launching her brand online to get the attention of her first customers, her biggest mistakes in business, and why fundraising capital isn't personal, but a business transaction. What excites Crystal about 2021, including new launches? And finally, how Crystal unwinds outside of work and her best tips to balance motherhood and building a business. This is the Entrepreneurship Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Crystal, we are so excited to be sitting here with you today and hearing all about your story and journey on how you decided to start your company, Ruby Love. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. Absolutely. I first want to hear about when you had your aha moment to start your business. Oh my God. Everyone asks me this question. And then when I give them the answer, they're like, oh my God. So my aha moment, I was literally laying on my bed watching Wendy Williams with my pads sticking out of my underwear. And I was just like so <laughs> aggravated and so agitated with it. And every time somebody asks me that question, I don't think that they are literally like looking for that answer <laughs> when I tell them, but it really was like my aha moment. And I just, I just felt like it was so old school and like, why am I dealing with this? And like, if I can text my sister in Vegas in like two seconds, like I should be able to not have to see my pad. And it just looks <laughs> insane, like watching TV. Like that literally was my aha moment. <laughs> and I remember it like as if it was yesterday. <laughs> Were you working in the fashion industry at the time? Not at all. <laughs> I was a controller. I was actually in accounting. I had nothing about at all. I didn't even work in the field like where a pad would affect my day. It just was that moment. <laughs> Like I literally had my own office, like for work and everything, like my own office and things like that. I just happened to be home that day. The moment you had that idea, what did you do first? Did you jump in and start solving the problem or did you sit with it for a while before you started to turn it into a business? Oh no, I went full on just from that aha moment. Like I got up and I like drew the picture like of what I wanted. The company started off 
with just me wanting to hide a pad and also to keep a pad in place because the wings, obviously that is created to keep a pad in place. So I knew that, okay, I can hide the pad where you don't see it, but I needed a solution to also keep it securely in place. And ever since that day, I've just been like going and going and going with it. So no, I had no, (laughs) the direct answer to your question is no, no fashion background at all. It was literally crazy. Like it was a picture with like, an underwear and I'm not an artist at all in any type of way with a hole. How did you figure out how to get it manufactured? Well, I live in New York, so I know that we have the garment district. I didn't know at the time, like most of the factories were gone because I just think, okay, I live in New York. Let me just go to the city and, you know, get this done. And it was not that simple. So I just researched, I Googled factories, I think in New York at the time. I got on the railroad because I live in Long Island, went to the city, walked the blocks that said it was the garment and just started going in like buildings. (laughs) And I literally found, I believe it's so long ago now, I think it was four, four factories and they were all different prices. It was either three or four factories. It was all different prices, like literally like that they were going to charge me to do the sample. One was like, say like $70. I don't remember exactly right now. And then one was like $700. So I did them all, (laughs) like just to see like which ones came out. And two actually came out, started looking like kind of like what I had in my head and envisioned. And I went with those two factories, like to keep perfecting what I wanted to perfect. How much money did you have to invest to get this all started? In the beginning, after I added everything up, like over a year, I had invested like probably like $25,000 of my own funds, but it wasn't like at one time, it was like over of doing runs and things like that. How long was it from the time you had this idea to when you started selling your first product? The idea came in August of 2015. And I started selling a product. The company officially launched January, 2016. Wow, that's really fast. How did you launch the brand online or through retailers? Only online. The whole brand is a, still to this day, is still a D2C company. And everything was done online within that time from say August to let's say December. I had to learn how to do a website. I had to learn how to actually, because going from sample to production is totally different. <laughs> But, you know, I thought it was the same, but it wasn't. It's a different hand. It's a different, it's a whole completely different ball game of doing that. So within that time, I had did all of that and I had taught myself that. Did you launch with just one product or did you have several SKUs? So we launched with underwear and it was two different styles of underwear that I had launched. It was our bikini and our hipster, which are still our, you know, matriarch products right now. So I launched with those two products, but with different colors. Were you still working full-time when you launched your business? No, I quit my job two weeks after I came up with the idea. (laughs) I told you I went all in. You did. Were you always a risk taker? Oh yeah. I've been a risk taker since I was a kid. I already know. I think if you're good, I knew that I could always go back to get a job in corporate. (laughs) I knew that. I've had a business before. So I've always been a risk taker like since I was younger. (laughs) Take us back to Crystal as a kid, what were you like? And were you entrepreneurial as a kid as well? Yes. I didn't know it because you're a kid, but I definitely was. I tell people this story all the time. There was a tree. I grew up in Flushing in co-op buildings. And you know, when there's co-op buildings, there's a bunch of them. So we had like a parking, like where my mother and father used to park their car. 
and people would have to go that way to get into the front of the building. And every time we would pass, like my mother had a parking spot was right directly in the front of the building. And every time we would come into the parking lot, I would see like these little, I would say they look like acorns. Still to this day, I don't know what they were. They look like like little corns or apples. I don't know. They used to be all over the grass and it was on the tree. And one day I was just like, you know what, to clean this up, I'm going to package them and I'm sure people want them. And I just started selling them. So, and people are buying them now to this day, I realize like they, they were just buying it because I was like the little girl in the building. <laughs> it's like selling stuff. They felt bad for me, but I really thought I was doing something and selling them like some type of apples or acorn. <laughs> I don't know what those things were. They used to just fall off the tree all the time. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't see those trees anymore, but I don't know what that, I don't know what they were. <laughs> So when you first launched the website, what happened? What was the reaction and how'd you get the word out? When I first launched the website, it was nothing crickets. <laughs> you think you, <laughs> you, you launched a website because I actually put the website up probably in like December, November. Absolutely nothing. Like there was like not one sale, <laughs> like nothing at all. And that's because I just launched a website. I had like a landing page because I had learned that word landing page and saw what it was, nothing until I realized like, okay, like I need to figure out how to, you know, after two weeks in and you have not one person come to your website, you're like, okay, well, there's other websites that have plenty of traffic. So I have to figure out like how to do this. And I just taught myself within that time. And then the first sale came through in January, like the first couple of days in January when I figured out everything at that point. What did it feel like when you got that first sale? Oh, that was great. But I was like, where's sale number two? You know what you think? <laughs> I used to tease my husband and I used to tell him like in the first month when I used to get maybe per day, one, two, say like five sales per day. I used to be like, if we could just get to 20 sales per day, <laughs> like I'm going to be good. <laughs> so he teases me about that now. <laughs> what Every day. were those initial launch strategies that worked? Was it Facebook ads? email blast? No, I actually didn't even do any paid ads until the first paid ad we ever did was May of 2018. So it was basically bootstrapped, grown organically, and literally just researching and figuring out the best way to bring in traffic, which at that time and to this day now is SEO. Just now, SEO is a little different than what it was in 2016. So I just started, that's what I found on the internet one day. Like, how do you get traffic with no money? Like, that's what I Googled. (laughs) Did you start blogging? (laughs) Yes, but I am not a writer of any sense. So I started getting people, like once I found the word SEO, I found out what it stood for. I started going even deeper and researching that. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm not a writer. So I need someone who understands like keywords, you know, I I literally from everything I read from one article to another, I realized like kind of what I wanted. And believe it or not, I actually used Fiverr for a good amount of months. I actually lucked out by getting one particular person who was a phenomenal writer. I would just give her the topics and she would write the blog and I would copy and paste it on the website with a picture. Fiverr is definitely a great platform for entrepreneurs to find really great resources. So that's such a good tip. Yeah. And how did you come up with the name Ruby Love? It wasn't Ruby Love at first. It was actually Panty Prop. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know that, but yes. it was actually Panty Prop. So I came up with the name because I wanted something to draw attention, which we all know the name Panty Prop definitely draws attention for people to say like, what is that? Or, you know, what it is. And I figured it was panties. 
And what the initial product was, was like to prop your pad inside of the product, inside of the underwear. So I just put the two words together and I knew that it would get attention. How Ruby Love came about was totally different, but that is the story of how Panty Prop came about. And surprisingly, everyone just took to the name. I've never had a problem with the name. So that's why even when it was time to rebrand, it was like, ah, like no one ever, literally not one complaint ever about the name Panty Prop. Like sometimes we would see like on comments on Facebook or something, it'd be like, this is just a horrible name, but it was never any problem (laughs) selling a product at all. What made you decide to rebrand? The name. It's just the name. And at first I was not going to. I was pressured into it, I would say, originally. And then when I started thinking about it, I realized that we were selling a lot overseas. And then I knew that the word panty was seen derogatory in a Mm. lot of places. So I knew that we had to rebrand. And then if we wanted to grow and scale, I needed to change the name to something that matched what our brand was. Because our brand is like that all-American you know, brand that caters to, you know, our particular audience who are just like normal people, I like to say. And Panty Prop just thought like in the long run, I knew that it just would not, it wouldn't be good. What was the process like trying to brainstorm new names for the business? And how did you finally land on Ruby Love and know that that was the definite name? Oh, so I hired a branding agency and they gave back like the craziest, insane names. It was like we were better off staying with Panty Prop. (laughs) (laughs) So I realized that paying all of this money to get someone to, you know, rebrand and do all of these things, that who better to know except your team and yourself to figure out what it was. So Ruby Love, it was going to actually be like Love Ruby because we like to, we just love what our customers and what our product stands for. So it was kind of like a sign-off. And then we just switched it around. Like Ruby obviously is red. It's very classic, which is like a period. Like I know it's funny to say like a period is classic, but it is. Like it's around for ages and it's not going anywhere. <laughs> Ruby. It's so true. Timeless. <laughs> yes. So Ruby fit that. And then the love of what we wanted to give to our customers and what we wanted our customers to give to. Because a lot of our customers are moms. And they're purchasing it out of love because everyone, everyone who ever came to work for me, how I would explain to them is that our products are love gifts. Like that's what they are. Our customer base is really like buying them either for their body or for their daughter, you know, and it's a love gift. So that's where the love came from. I love the name. And my birthstone is also Ruby. So I love it even more. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) We know you eventually raised money. How did you get to that point and why did you decide to raise money? How did I get to that point? So I tried to raise money in like 2016 when I first launched, probably over like a week. So it's really not trying to raise money. (laughs) And then I realized it's a lot of work. And then I realized like that I needed to probably search that a little more because no one is just going to give you money. So I needed to find out like, why are these people willing to give you money? So I stopped it (laughs) and I didn't focus on that. I focused on the company. And then in 2019, I realized the company was, I had bootstrapped it up to that point to like $10 million. Wow. And I realized like to scale because getting from $1 to a hundred thousand is just, you know, something in itself. Then getting from a hundred thousand to a million is another ball game. And then when you reach $10 million from a million, you're like, okay, 
So I realized that in order to get to $100 million, that I was going to need more than what I was doing at that time. And those things do cost money. What did you need to do with the $15 million? To hire a full staff. We really literally went from 2016 to just being me, to consultants, you know, a few consultants, to one employee, to two employees. And we went from about, I would say three, because it's including me, three employees to immediately at like 48 employees in 2019 that we had at that time. Wow. What? But you need to hire people like in order to, I, I didn't realize that I was doing like so much. Like I was probably about all 48 of those people in one. <laughs> and that's what it's like when you run a business, you, you know, start from the ground up and you wear a million different hats. So I believe that you were doing 45 people's jobs. Yes. And you really don't realize it until you are actually, until you actually have the help and you're like, Oh my God, like, what was I doing? Like, I really was doing like all of this at one time. So I was like inventory, you know, (laughs) I was just everything. Looking back, is there a particular moment that you're most proud of? Launching it literally like really like coming up with the moment and the time that I have moment that I speak about is an embarrassing moment. But yes, just that moment of really saying to myself, like, you know what? I have a problem and I know that it's something that people suffer with and deal with. And just that moment that really is like a proud moment. It took me a long time like to get to there because I was just going and going and going all the time. But I can really say like 2020 is when I realized like, wait a minute, I really like built this company and I really did it. And I really look back and a lot of people would tell me all the time, but I think it's a little better when you come to realize it yourself. It's a proud moment. And we're so happy for your success because then you ended up working with us in 2020 as well. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up, you'll hear where Crystal sees Ruby Love in 10 years and her experience raising venture capital. In that first year when you launched, and we all know, you all make a ton of mistakes because you don't know what you don't know. What was the biggest mistake that you made? Let me see. Oh my God, I've made so many mistakes. (laughs) All right, tell us a few. That's how we learn. (laughs) Panty prop being one of them. (laughs) Well, I can't say that's a mistake. It got you here. Oh no, that was a mistake. Like I should have probably thought a little further. But I don't even want to tell you what the first name was going to tell be. Us, tell us. We need to know. Oh, my God. My sister told me she was like, you better not. It was going to be bled. Ooh. <laughs> well, panty props definitely better. Like, <laughs> yeah. She was like, you better not. <laughs> so that was mistake number one with the name. Let me see something else. I've, I've made so many. Probably not going into paid advertising sooner. Just thinking that I can probably grow it without doing paid. Like as paid for D2C was getting much bigger. Like I said, launched 2016, January. May 24th, 2018 is the first time we spent any money on advertising. So that I would say is a mistake. We probably could be even more further along than we are. What was your revenue before you started doing paid advertising? Revenue coming in, what, like monthly or yearly? Yearly in sales at that point. In 2018, we were, we did $5 million. In 2018, so before the year before that, we did 1.1. And then you turned on paid and then did another 5 million that year? Halfway through the year. Wow. Yeah. Because it was May 24th, 2018. Were you just like, why didn't I do this before? (laughs) Yes. And the way that I started doing the paid was because Facebook rep 
had called. I guess our Facebook page was growing a little. I don't even know why she called me. She called me and I would not take her call. If anybody knows like these Facebook calls and Google people calling you, they are the most annoying thing ever, especially when you're not dealing with them. Like you're busy. Like they want to always like sit on the phone with you. I avoided this girl so many times on the phone. And then one day I was just like, let me just take the freaking call. I sat on the phone with her and it probably could have happened like a few months before that because she was constantly calling me and she was out of the growth team actually. And she really helped a lot. Like she really did a lot. And I was so happy like after the call. And then ever since then, we just, I've always just done paid. But it probably could have happened a few months before that because I was just avoiding her altogether. I would make appointments with her on the phone and like cancel the call because I just was so busy at the time. Like I said, I was so many people at one time. And I really thought she was just like one of those annoying people that they call. So I do want to tell everyone, like, take those calls because it probably take the is call a from Facebook. <laughs> no, that's, that is a really great tip. So tell us the structure of your team now. Who is on your team? What are the roles? And how has your role changed? Oh, yeah. So now I pretty much everyone here knows like I'm still their position. That is how it did help because I know every job and every single thing. But now I do have people who came for opportunity and also are good at things better than what I am. Like I could not just simple things like doing an edit on something. If you go in the rabbit hole of Instagram all the way back to like 2016, you'll see what I mean. That was all me. <laughs> if you go down a rabbit hole, you'll see like the difference. And then you'll be able to even see like where you can tell, like I got someone from the outside like to change everything. Just little things like that. So on the team now, we have a full fulfillment team, an inventory team, a customer service team, a marketing team, and an accounting team now, which we did not have that before. What has it been like managing a team going from managing just a few people to 40 plus people? So I was used to, because I know business and I'm used to, I was a controller before. So at one point in my prior career, I managed 30 women at one time and 30 women are a lot, (laughs) but you just do it. We all have different things. (laughs) Every day you come in with a different attitude and imagine dealing with 30 people at one time. It was 30 women and one guy. Managed. So I'm used to managing people. Were you all working in an office or were you already working remotely before everything changed last year? Everybody was in house. Are you now remote or do people still come in? Just the marketing is remote right now. Every other department comes in. How are you managing a team remotely or at least one of your teams and not the whole team? They're not all together. So everyone who works for me is great. Like they don't need any hand holding. And I can't have someone that needs handholding to work for me. It just would not work out. (laughs) Even with the people that work for me, (laughs) like it would not work out with them. Like we're all very self-starter in that way. So the remote side of it is very, very well. Otherwise they wouldn't even last. And then even in-house, very self-starters, they know exactly like the team leaders or supervisors that run like their very own departments. They know exactly like what needs to be done. And they know also where to look for other opportunity and things like that. I want to hear a little bit about the process of raising money. So what was it like for you going back out for the second time when you were really committed to raising money this time? What was that process like? And any lessons you can share for our listeners who are thinking about raising venture capital? Yeah. So it takes a lot of time to do and it takes a lot of your time. I actually lucked out because when I came back to saying, okay, I'm going to raise the funds, 
I actually didn't really have to go so hard. So I really don't know the full experience. I only know from like that first time when I did it, I just knew it was too much work. I had a bunch of term sheets because I had already had so much revenue at the time. So I had people who were actually vetting me at the time, but raising the funds, that's just the small part of it. Like when you get the term sheets and you have people who say, okay, I want to give you money. It's so much more that goes into it. It takes months like for due diligence and finding out just if you're a good fit, because it really is a marriage. I think a lot of people look at it very personal, but it's not personal. It's actually like a business transaction. And if you go into it, seeing it that way, it makes this transition a little smoother, but I don't think a lot of people go into it realizing, except on the VC side, they do. But I think the founder doesn't go into realizing that it's a business transaction and it's not personal. It's not your, like how I like to say, it's not your mama giving you money. Like it's just not... It's just literally a business transaction and it takes time. It takes a lot of emotion taking to get it over, to get the wire finally done. Did you have advisors helping you with the transaction? Had you ever been part of something like this before? Never. And I didn't have any advisors. I had an attorney. Attorney helping you. (laughs) Yes. I made sure that I got an attorney who was experienced in securities. That's really great advice. And where do you see the company in five to 10 years? Oh my God. Like where I see the company is literally like owning our space and literally being that go-to product and that go-to brand for when you really, truly just have an event in your life (laughs) that you need to go to and your stupid period shows up. I actually wish I had known about your company after I had my daughter because- You know, as we know, when women have babies, there's a lot of bleeding that happens after the pregnancy. So I was like, oh my gosh, how did I not know about you then? Yes. People don't realize that blood from your period has so many events in your life. Like you said, from having a baby to getting married. I'm one who had my period when I got married at a wedding. And everyone knows what a big, huge dress that is like the most difficult thing to navigate showed up. When you're going on vacation, you spend all this money on a vacation and then it sucks. You get off the plane, either you or your daughter has her period. And then how you said, like you had a baby. I don't know if you have a girl or boy, but if you have a girl, it's going to get to that point when she's nine years old and you're going to start thinking about it. And now how do you make her feel comfortable with something you don't even feel comfortable with and tell her, you know, it's not so bad. It just plays so many events in our life, even going through like menopause, you still have your period, but now it's in a different type of form. I don't think we think of it that way. I think of it that way because obviously I'm in the business of that, but it's just so much like when you start putting thought into it, it controls like so much of our life. And I think that people don't even realize like life would not even exist if we did not have, you know, the cycle of menstruation. How were you able to build a community of 81,000 followers? And the topic that you're talking about is not something that people are public or comfortable talking about online. It's just normal. So if you just talk about things like normal to people, I think that, you know, you don't try to force anything down. You know, some people don't like us. Some people do. Some people think the product is icky. Some people don't. I think just by not forcing it, like it's something that is normal. So if we just live in that space. Like we don't try too hard. We literally just live in a space. It's just like, oh, okay. Like go swimming with your period. You know, we don't be like, oh my God, like you can jump in and you can do this. No, it's just like, okay, I have a period. I'm putting on this freaking period swimsuit and I'm jumping in the water. Like I just, I just live in that moment. I think that's just what it is. Just 
owning that space and just living in reality. What is the process like when you have an idea to develop a new product for the line? Now, now I just give it off to my team member, Kerry. There you go. Delegating. <laughs> Love <Yes>. it. <laughs> yes. But before it was something, it has to be something that I really feel like really dedicated and committed to, which is how our first period came about. I thought about how a better way to make it like not icky and a better way, like not awkward for a young girl that's nine to 13, you know, to discuss her period. So in there, there's stuff about her period, but it's in a way that she understands and that a mother can feel comfortable now of just giving her daughter a gift. And is everything manufactured in the U.S. or overseas? Yeah. So for up until 2020, everything was manufactured here. And now we go overseas with some particular things that the U.S. could not do. Have you had to travel or? No, because it happened in 2020. I was so looking to go to like China and then, you know, the pandemic happened. (laughs) What are you looking forward to in 2021 for the business? What's next? Launching like a few of the things that we couldn't do in 2021 and really getting that message out there that you basically really can do anything on your period, which we do, but now you can do it with confidence. That's a really, really great message. Up next, how Crystal's family keeps her grounded while she continues to build Ruby Love. Crystal, this is now my favorite segment that we've been doing with our entrepreneurs. It is going to be a few rapid fire questions. So the first thing that comes to your mind, you can answer with that. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. What is your favorite or has been your favorite quarantine snack? Oh my God. I have so many cake, (laughs) like vanilla cake, but it has to be homemade. Homemade vanilla cake. I love it. Yum. Who is someone you've always wanted to meet? Oh, Oprah Winfrey. Me too. Us too. (laughs) If you could travel anywhere in the world right now, no restrictions, no pandemic, where would you hop on a plane to? Bali. What's the best thing to happen to you this month? It's February. (laughs) Oh, it's like a new month. (laughs) It's Valentine's Day, so I hope my husband gets me something nice. (laughs) (laughs) Describe yourself in three words. Uh, Very direct. Very nice. I'm too nice sometimes and very creative in my brain though. (laughs) What is the first thing you notice about someone over Zoom? I never thought of that. I really don't even look at how someone looks. I think I wait till they speak to see their mood. What is one thing that you're most afraid of? Oh, fire. (laughs) Fire. Me too. And finally, what is something you wish you could be great at? Drawing. (laughs) All right. I feel like we've really gotten to know you now. (laughs) Yes. yes. So what does a typical day look like for you when you're not working or outside of work? Now I literally just relax. I don't want to be bothered with anyone at all. I just don't. What do you do to relax? Watch TV. I don't really watch TV. Like my husband is like a very heavy TV watcher. I don't like TV. So I say I'm watching TV, but I'm not. So I am actually just reading on my phone and not reading books. I'm reading like on the internet, like looking up and researching. I'm like the research queen. I like looking at stuff, like teaching myself stuff. What are you researching right now? No, I research just at the moment. Oh, when you think of something. Yes. I mean, that's like me. Something pops up on my Instagram feed and then I just go into a hole of 
Yeah, and you can just like go in a hole with like all of this stuff. Like people don't even understand that people that are not researchers, they don't understand. You just get like one thing. Somebody could just say one thing. It'd be like the stupidest thing. And you just go like down like that rabbit hole of checking everything out. Have you ever looked at your uh, Google search history? <laughs> no. <laughs> I get it sent all the time to make something no. What is something our audience would be surprised to learn about you? A lot of people think that I'm mean because I'm direct, but I'm not. I'm actually like the sweetest person. I'm always for the underdog all the time. And I will probably like beat someone up if I see them bothering someone else. (laughs) But everyone always thinks that I'm the bully since I was younger, but I'm really not. (laughs) Do you believe in work-life balance? Yes. And my whole team knows that. Like I've gotten people like to come work for me because I really truly believe in work-life balance, like a hundred percent. I'd rather it not be done. Like if it's your job, I'd rather you not do it. Like tomorrow's another day so that you can really like leave. All my whole team, even when we were in-house, literally leaves work every day at 5.30. How do you promote that outside of just leave at 5.30? What other tips do you have? They just know it just from me. And they've tried to stay like plenty of time. I'm like, go home, like get out of here. Like I will kick them out. Like, it's like so funny <laughs> because they all know, like, like say my fulfillment manager, like she'll have like a pile of like stuff that she has to like sort out and get through. And she's like, please, please, please. And I'm like, no, get out. They'll try to work on weekends. And I'm like, absolutely. Hell no. Like stay home. You can repick this back up on Monday. So they just know. And I think when people come here and work, they don't think that because everyone tells you that, but. But I like really believe in that because I really think that you should like your job, like coming to work. It should be like, you know, that you can still have a life because I I lived that life where I was working till two o'clock in the morning and it's a lot. Do you have a favorite mantra or quote that defines your work ethic? My favorite quote, I don't know if it's my work ethic, maybe. Or your values. Yeah. Yes. So my favorite quote of all time is that you can't have a million dollar or billion dollar business with a minimum wage mindset. I like that. I've never heard that one before. Yes. I think everything goes within a mindset. And I think that that is what the holdout is what a lot of people. Have you ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? No, I actually started it after, and I read books and I love books and I don't like the book. I shouldn't say I don't like it because I didn't read it. I couldn't get past like a couple of pages. It was boring to me. <laughs> I just read and I, and I think that's the message in there, but. Oh, wow. Really? I didn't even know that. Like I, I have a book. <laughs> Wait, start, on the, start on the second chapter. <laughs> it actually okay, gets good. I maybe it's a... through like the first couple of pages. It's, it was boring to me. Yeah. No, I think give it maybe 30 pages and see if you feel the same way. Okay, I'll try again. I have the book. <laughs> I'll try again. Do you have a certain apps on your phone that you just can't live without? Yeah, my notes. Yes, me too. Oh my gosh. I put everything in there. Is there a lesson or piece of advice that you wish you knew before you started? Oh, yes. Realizing like that I can't do everything and that I should have gotten help sooner. Do you have any mentors in the industry? No, I don't. <laughs> Crystal, what are you most grateful for every day? I'm grateful for my husband and my two kids. Honestly, that really is what I'm grateful for. Like they keep me balanced. My daughter drives me crazy, but my husband keeps me balanced. So it's like that perfect. (laughs) And then my son, I I won't even go into him. Like he just turned 14 and he's just like too much (laughs) to deal with. How old's your daughter? My daughter is 24, but she looks like she's like 12. Any tips you can share about starting a business and balancing motherhood? Because I mean, I have a 20 month old, so I can probably take tips from you because I know your kids were a little bit older when you started, but it's definitely not easy. Yeah. 
I don't think there's really any right answer to that. I think you just have to do it. And you, I think with motherhood, period. I think we all remember like when we first got home <laughs> with our babies, it was like whatever someone told you, it just went all out the window because you just were like, okay, like I'm going to have to regroup some type of way because your life totally changes. So I think that goes even with no matter what age that you have a child. Like, yes, my kids were a little older. Like my son, I think was four years ago. He's 14. He was like 10 at the time, like nine, 10 at the time when I launched my company, but that's still young, like where he's still going to school and you have to still try to figure out. And I'm trying to get to factories and run back and do this, that, and the third. But I think you just condition yourself just to do it. I just think women are like so great and so resilient like that. We don't get enough credit that we don't even think about it. And I think we don't demand a lot of the credit because we just think it's normal, but it's actually not when you get older and you start thinking about it. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. And (laughs) I agree that resilience is key in motherhood and in business and really in life. Yes. Do you get your kids or husband involved in the business at all? So my husband works for the business also. He used to have his own business and I had to beg him (laughs) two years. So he is our fulfillment director because that is his background with logistics and things like that. So are you telling him, go home, it's 530? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's he's even where he does not like to go home. (laughs) Likes to work. He's a worker. And now that I'm not like in that mindset anymore, I just, I'm just like, he'll be please just go because he drives me. (laughs) And do the kids get involved at all? Not really. My son definitely does not want to hear or see anything. (laughs) If you could give the entrepreneurs to audience one last piece of business advice, what would it be? Just to like keep going. And I know that's like such easiest thing to say, but to really like keep going at a pace that you believe is correct for you and to flood out all of the noise of all the headlines, all the competition and things like that and stay within your path. That I think is what led me to be successful with the business. And finally, what does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? Oh, it means a lot because I love business. I love women-owned business and I really love Black women-owned business. And I think that I stand for all of that and can prove that, you know, just with a silly, stupid idea of just your pad hanging out of your underwear can really like lead you into a great life and of helping like millions and millions and millions of people. That really is truly how I feel. (laughs) Just gave me the chills and we are so honored and inspired by you and your story. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, with our Entreprenista audience. Where can everyone find you, follow you, and of course, buy all of your Ruby Love products? Yeah, so the website is rubylove.com. And find me, I really am never on social media, but my Twitter is, that's the only one I sometimes check (laughs) and go on. Like if someone, like if something is happening (laughs) with me, that is, I think it's Etsy and Crystal. I'm so bad with social media. I'm not a social media person. I have no social media really. And then Instagram, I just start that up because here in the office, they made me do it. That is I'm Crystal Etienne. And then I think that's it. I think that's all I have. Yeah. I only have Twitter, which you'll probably, if you wanted to really like get me, you probably get me there. I probably don't answer right away. 
and then Instagram, but that's new. It literally was set up, I think, like a month ago. Well, we'll follow you there and we will be sure all of our listeners follow you on the Ruby Love Instagram too. Again, thank you. Yeah, shop Ruby Love. Thank you so much, Crystal, for sharing your journey. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneurs. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurspodcast.com. Thanks for listening.